welcome to Wesley Union, a bi-weekly podcast from Studio Wesley that highlights the voices of different campus ministers and leaders in the United Methodist Church. Today we'll be hearing from Pastor Chris Stephen, campus minister at the Harbor at USF in Tampa, Florida. Welcome to Bay Hope Church again. My name is Chris Steven, and I am so excited that you've joined us this morning here at Bay Hope Church. I love the idea, and I love the fact that we're one church and many locations, and that we can worship together in our house in many different rooms. And so I love the fact that we have a, a, a few other campuses that, that are in our house with us, that being the West Chase campus along with us, and then our online campus. And so as our West Chase campus and our Lakeshore campus, can we just greet everybody that's watching on our online campus today? We as a church are excited to gather together. And we anticipate God to move both in worship as he's already done and in word, which we're about to receive. This morning, I've entitled the message, What's in Your Cup? If you have a Bible this morning, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 23. If you don't know where Matthew is at, I don't know where Matthew is at either. He's on vacation and (laughs) we're close, but we ain't that close. And our pastor will be back in the next week or so to be back with us in our house. But we're going to be in Matthew chapter 23. And my hope is that we walk away from our house today with two very important truths of how we apply this scripture to our lives. I tell our students all the time that as we open God's word, that this is still an active and moving and participating thing in our lives. And for some of our students, they may say, well, Chris, you don't get it. You're a millennial. I'm like in Gen Z, this whole new Gen Z thing. And my friends just don't get it. They think this is a history book. And I send my rebuttal to them. I say, yeah, it may be a history book to them, but it's a his story book to us. And his life is played out. The story of redemption is played out from front to back. And if you read it enough and you spend time, intimate time with Jesus in it, I promise you, you will experience his goodness. Because it doesn't matter the timestamp and the date that this thing was written, we serve a timeless God. So this morning we're opening up to this scripture verse and we're gonna see how these verses apply to our lives. Before we get into that moment, I would hate to open up God's word without asking God to be here. Asking God's spirit to speak to us through his word. So can can we join together as a house and can we ask God's presence to speak through his word? God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that, Father, we come into this place seeking a savior. Whether we've been on this journey with Jesus for, for a long time or whether we've just began this journey with you. Or maybe for some of us, we're coming into this room and we've never started the journey. Father, may we feel your presence this morning. May we feel you move in our hearts. May you increase your presence in this place. That's your goodness, we pray. Amen. Well, there is something that happens in my life every morning. 
And it happened again this morning. I don't know about you, last night I stayed up to watch uh, college football. It's returned. God's goodness has shed his light on us again. And I stayed up really, really late to watch my Florida Gators crush Charleston Southern. I'm sorry, Charleston Southern. It's been a long couple years under the coach we had. And now we have a coach that is a God sent to our university. And I'm praying that a national championship will be won this year. I, I know, I live in SEC country, ACC country, but we're gonna pray for these things in Jesus' name. <laughs> My wife, though, she is, she is of the family line of the University of Notre Dame. Wow, a couple of Yelps in the house. That's amazing. And so we uh, watched on the big screen Notre Dame because happy wife, happy life. And on my little iPad, I watched the Gator game. <laughs> In silence, as I listened to the Notre Dame announcers, because I love my wife. But this morning, I woke up after a late night and an early morning. See, our 19-month-old is continuing to teeth. She's cutting her molars, and if you are a parent, who has had uh, an infant or currently has an infant, you know what this feeling is like, the bleary-eyed look in the morning. So after a late night and an early morning, again, because I love my wife and our baby girl started crying out around like 11.30 and kept till around 3.30. I, being the knight in shining armor to my wonderful seventh-month pregnant wife, decided, yeah, babe, I'll get up. Uh, don't worry, I'll take care of the kids. I got you, love. And so I went into my daughter's room and I cuddled with her and I consoled her and it was an amazing time until 5.30 woke up. The time came and she decided, Dad, let's get up. Oh, goodness. So the first thing I did was I went to the cupboard and I opened the cupboard and I grabbed this wonderful creation that I'm pretty sure Adam had at the beginning of his life knowing that from the six-day creation, coffee would be made for Adam. And I poured myself a cup of delicious, good coffee to wake myself up from a long, long night. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. <laughs> There's a reason why coffee is so important to us. Because as the commercial goes, the best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. I'm not necessarily a Folgers fan, but this will suffice. As you can probably tell, I don't need to drink that. I've already had several cups of coffee. <laughs> but each of us, we reach for a cup in the morning. Whether it's a, a cup of coffee or, or whether it's a, a cup of tea. I have a friend of mine that works here. That he grabs a tea in the morning and before he heads to work, he grabs a cup of Diet Coke. I thought I was crazy to grab a cup of coffee and a Red Bull. I work in student ministry. It's okay. It's okay. 
But we each grab for something. And what we're about to see in this scripture verse is Jesus wants us to know that our lives are that of a cup. That we hold in the things of Jesus or hold in the things of the world. And whatever we hold in our cup will come into fruition. So we're about to see this scripture play out to three groups of people. Three groups of people. The first group of people that Jesus is teaching and preaching within the courts are the disciples. The followers of Jesus, his 12 men that followed along with him. Oftentimes I go to the place, I wonder like if they, <laughs> they were like the original men in tights, you know? We're men in tights, tights, tights. Never mind, okay. <laughs> but the disciples, the followers of Jesus, the second group that was in and around Jesus' teaching were the religious elite, the Pharisees. They were a group of theological people, the sector of theology and a political party as well that would make sure that we as people would keep the laws. All of the laws that Moses wrote and all of the laws that, that, the, that the scribes and, and Pharisees and other lawmakers would write, that we would keep those laws. And in fact, if we didn't follow one of the laws, they would say, okay, well, here's how you need to repent. You need to repent by sacrificing grain or you need to uh, repent by sacrificing a dove or sacrificing a, a, a cattle or something that would have helped us rectify the situation between us and God. They were very strict about this. It was the Sadducees that they, they were along the same line of, of theology, even though they were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in resurrection. Thank you, Miss Dowdy. <laughs> they didn't believe in resurrection from the grave. That when the Messiah would come, that us that went forth to die, we wouldn't rise with Christ. And so they're sad because of that. And finally in that group right there, we see the scribes. Now the scribes were what I like to call, call our modern day preachers, our pastors of the day. They would present God's word, the Old Testament to the people when they would gather together. And so we see the disciples as one group. We see the religious elite as the other group. And the last group of people are the crowd. These people may be a mix of Gentiles, maybe a mix of Jewish people, but they were the crowd. Maybe they had heard all of the miracles that Jesus had performed. And they're like, well, we gotta go see Jesus. I wanna see what he's all about. And so maybe for them, they weren't really followers of Jesus. They were trying to just figure out who is this Jesus fella and how does he apply to my life? And so Jesus is teaching some warnings to the religious elite. Now, keep in mind, Jesus is always intentional. Every word that Jesus speaks is intentional to his disciples, to the religious elite, and to the crowd. Jesus was always intentional on those things. Whether it was a miracle or a teaching, he was intentional on those things. And so he's giving these warnings to the religious elite, knowing that the disciples are watching, as well as the crowd. And here's what it says in verse 25 of Matthew chapter 23. 
What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but on the inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. Jesus wanted these people to see that it's not necessarily the external focus you need to be worried about, but the internal being you need to worry about. See, it's easy to come to church this morning, putting on our Sunday best, putting on our, our mask and say, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go worship Jesus. It's been a heck of a week. I'm, I'm, just, I'm gonna go to church because I need to go to church. I need to see my people. I need to be around my people. And so you roll up, you come inside a church and you see, but you're like, hey, Jim, what's going on, man? How's it going, man? It's awesome. The week was great. Man, I was busy, but I'd rather be busy than bored. And so I love life right now. Great work is great. Oh, hey, Jen, it's so great to see you. How are the kids doing? Oh yeah, she jumped off and broke her arm that's upsetting and we do this but on the inside we are we are dying on the inside we are dealing with depression and anxiety we just left our house in a screaming fight with our husband or our wife our kids are off the rails man are they ever going to come back to jesus i just sent my kid to college man god you gotta really i gotta really trust you here so we hide all these things in our hearts. And Jesus is telling us, hey, listen, don't put too much focus on the external. Keep your focus on the internal. There's two truths that we can learn from this scripture this morning. Two very important ones for us as we walk away from this place. The first thing we can understand that you and I need to understand is we need to clean the cup. We need to clean the cup. Some of us are holding so tightly to the cup. We're not able to allow people to see inside of us. Some of us are so holding tightly to tradition that we're forsaking transformation. By the way, Jesus might have came from tradition, meaning he was a Jew. He knew the dietary restrictions. He knew the cleansing rituals. But guess what? He came for transformation. He came to see people transformed by God. It's almost like a, a mug that, is, that coffee has set too long. We have a staff person that shall not be named that loves coffee. And this person will carry their cup of coffee around our campus. And these cups of coffee will find their places in different ministry areas. Well, one day I'm traveling up to this ministry area and I see not one coffee mug, but three coffee mugs. And I'm like, how do you drink this much coffee and why do you keep it in places? And so I went to look inside the mug and I went. <laughs> because there was mold building in the cup. It was surrounded by the cup. I'm pretty sure if I stuck my finger in there, it all just leaked on my hand. 
And so I'm like going to the bathroom. Going, uh, uh. That's like tradition. We're holding so tightly to tradition that mold and crustiness has begun to creep into our cup. And unfortunately, Jesus is going, uh, 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 let me clean you. You want to know how I know when you're holding on to tradition more than transformation? It's when one of our communicators in our house comes up and starts to communicate the, the gospel's call, starts to communicate death to life. And we do bow your heads and close your eyes and hands start to raise and you sit there and you go, all right, cool. Hey, where you wanna go to lunch? Wanna go to Lido's? Lido's pretty good. I love their pizza. That's cool, yeah. And why do we always gotta do this gospel thing? It's about us four no more anyway, right? Why, why do we need this? And we sit there and we go, we're not excited about people coming to Christ. Why? We forgot our Christ story. We forgot how we started the journey with Jesus. I know that because that is me. There have been moments sitting exactly where you're sitting and I've watched Pastor Matthew or, or Pastor Keith or John Michael come up and give a salvation call and people's lives have been changed and the trajectory of eternity has been changed and I sit there and I go, cool, let's go to lunch. And I find myself in the religious elite. And I go, Jesus, I need you to clean my cup. I need you to clean me from the inside out. Why? Because when I hold on to tradition, there is a crustiness that happens inside of my heart. And I start to notice it with me first. Maybe I've kind of forsook reading God's word or listening to worship music or maybe my attitude coming in is kind of to church. is kind of like, yeah, all right, cool. Another Sunday, let's go. Next week is football for the NFL. The Bucks play, I think they play at four. So we could probably go early to the Bucks game and tailgate at 11.15. Maybe we'll make the 9.30, I don't know. And then before you know it, this relationship with Jesus has become so traditional and not transformational. And you open God's word then and you go, okay, well, like, this is cool. What sorrows await you teachers? Yeah, I don't really care. And then my wife starts to notice it. She starts to notice this building up inside of me. Maybe my attitude has changed a little bit. I seem to get a little bit more frustrated a little bit quick, quickly. My kids start to notice it after that. It seems like I'm perturbed all the time. A simple task turns into me exploding. And then finally, my kids in my ministry start to notice. A couple of weeks ago, I had a student ask me, Chris, are you okay? And I thought to myself, well, let me think real quick. I'm getting my master's, got a third kid on the way. Seems like a circus in my house. My finances, oh, we got this repair and this repair and this repair. And all of a sudden, Jesus was saying, hey, listen, what's in your cup? 
what are you filling your cup with? I thought to myself, God, I need to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Come into my life. Wash me clean. Studio Wesley exists to curate authentic and informed content that connects with college-aged young adults on their journeys of spiritual and personal discovery. We seek to build a community rooted in faith that values an open, inclusive, and expansive table where all are welcomed, respected, and loved without reservation or exception. We endeavor to do this by providing space for college students to share their journeys with one another and for leaders in the church to offer their perspective and guidance through blogs, podcasts, videos, and other forms of media. One of the primary ways we do this is through our student-led blog space, Wesley Commons. Here, students from different walks of life share about their journeys with Jesus and unpack scripture, particularly as they relate to trauma, race, and queerness. To learn more, visit studiowesley.org. Not only do we need our, the cup to be cleaned, the second truth that you and I can understand today is that when Jesus flows in us, he flows through us. When Jesus flows in us, he then flows through us. We allow Jesus to move in our lives. And so we start out with a little bit of crustiness maybe, and we start a little darkness. Did you ever know if you were to dump this cup of coffee, the residue would stain the mug? And we don't fully clean out the mug. But when Jesus starts to flow in you, he starts to flow through you. And so we ask Jesus these questions like, Jesus, can you flow through me? Lord, I need transformation in my life. I need your touch. And so the Bible says that he is the living water. And when we drink of him, we never thirst again. And I just happen to have some living water that is Jesus. And I was like, Jesus, come into my life and start pouring yourself into my life and look what starts to happen. All of the yuck in our lives, all of the sin, all of the anger, all of the bitterness, all of the jealousy, all of these things start to be cleaned from the inside out. And we just keep saying, Jesus, I need more of you. Jesus, I need more of you. Jesus, I need more of you. Uh-oh, I'm out of Jesus. Don't worry, I've got more Jesus here. Why? Because I'm connected to people that are like-minded. I'm around people that are believers. And guess what? I got me some more Jesus. Let's go. And Jesus just cleans me out. While our cup We think our cup is a solid color. Jesus sees within us. The question for you this morning is what does Jesus see? The second part of that question is what do others see? Because what flows from the inside will eventually come out and people will see. We have a couple students here at Bay Hope Church. And I love our student ministry. In fact, our uh, values in student ministry are we, we desire our students to collide with God, to have a collision moment where their heart and God, God's heart collide together in a beautiful collision. And that they connect with like-minded individuals 
that are also colliding with God. And when those two entities come together, they end up changing the world for Christ. I'm a firm believer and I pray fervently that this world will be changed for Christ in this next generation. And so we have two individuals, two students that started with me in our ministry. It's crazy to think I've been here five years already, but started out as sixth graders, girls in our ministry. And if you've ever been around a sixth grader, you know that they're bright out and bushy-tailed. And so the excitement of being in student ministry was great, but they didn't understand that, that what was about to happen in their lives would change the trajectory of not only their eternity, but others' eternities. And they started to collide with God. That doesn't mean they were perfect. In fact, uh, one of our, uh, our young women, Nina, she was an incredible soccer player and you, you saw her testimony a few weeks ago on the miracle of her ACL injury. This girl loved soccer and unfortunately sustained an ACL injury. They repaired it and fixed it and so she was back on the field in no time. I remember sitting in the living room one morning when my wife's phone rang and it was Nina in tears. I did it again. It's over. Officially retired. And I watched my wife walk her through what the new normal was gonna be. And to see her faith, regardless of her circumstance, was incredible. We have another young woman, Callie, who, again, began in our ministry in sixth grade, colliding with God, connecting with others. And she's got her own story and her own hurts, habits, and hangups. But it's been incredible to walk through those seasons of life with her and to see that it's not about my external circumstance that defines my faith, but my internal reward that defines my faith. And in fact, God has been colliding with them so much so that Nina invited a friend, Kat, to Riot Summer Camp. Now, have you ever been uh, participated in Riot Summer Camp? It is extremely incredible. And students come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, maybe for the first time. In fact, this year, our student ministry has seen 71 students come to a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Yep. And I tell them, and I tell you, there are some churches in America that don't see 71 salvations in their lifetime as a church but God is on the move here. And so Kat comes to Riot and she finds Jesus. Her heart and God's heart collide together. And so she starts to connect with others. Now keep in mind, Kat, she grew up in a very traditional church, which is okay. I grew up in a very traditional church. But in growing up, I lacked understanding what the relational dynamic was between Jesus and I, and she as well lacked the understanding of what that relationship was like. Not what the religion was like, what the relationship was like. 
So she said yes to Jesus and starts this journey with Jesus and she connects with Nina and Callie and they just start hanging out and they start coming to church and they start connecting in their connect groups. They start growing together regardless of their external circumstances. They're focused on the eternal reward. We're gonna work this together. And a couple of weeks ago, they're sitting in this row where our students sit. And Matthew is up here and he's baptizing students. He's baptizing kids. It's been a phenomenal celebration to watch people go from death to life. And Kat is moved by that reality. So much so that she pulls me aside after service with tears in her eyes. She said, Chris, I want to get baptized. Let's do this right now. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa time out. <laughs> You, you want to do what? I want to get baptized. Chris, how can I get baptized? I want to get baptized like most, you know, girls in 10th grade. You know, I just want to go baptized. Can I, can I just get baptized? On and, and on and on. And I'm like, all right, well, let's pump the brakes. Let's talk about this in a second. Let's go get Pastor Matthew. So we went to grab Pastor Matthew and we talked to Pastor Matthew for a bit. And he said, let's do it. Let's baptize her. I said, all right, well, let's, we got to call your parents. Got to make sure this is okay. We got their permission to, for her to be baptized. And here's what happened after service. There's Nina to the right, Callie's to the left, and Kat is in the middle. And Kat decides to get baptized just in a spontaneous moment, just moved by God. And she goes from life, death to life. Understanding that baptism is just an outward expression of an inward change. I've told her before, it's like my wedding ring. This is an outward symbol of my inner love for my wife. In the same way, when we do baptism, it is an outward expression of our inward love for Jesus. But it's because of the overflow of Jesus's life in Nina and Callie that Cat collided with God and connected with others. And she is ready to change the world for Christ, just like Nina and Callie did. What's in your cup this morning? Are you ready for God to flow in you and flow through you? Because when God flows in you and through you, the world changes. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Wesley Union. We hope you enjoyed it. We would like to extend a special thanks to today's speaker, as well as our production team, Troy Argon Buchanan, Sarah Taylor, and Derek Scott III. My name is Allison Corwin, and thank you for listening to Wesley Union, a Studio Wesley offering powered by Campus to City Wesley.